Welcome to The Last Call. I'm with Jamie and Christian, powered by Speakeasy. My guest today, Rob Brown from Team Final in Philly, in Jersey. Rob, welcome to The Last Call. How are you? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me on. I'm uh, excited to be here, man. I'm fired up. You know, we started to do this idea of bringing our communities together in basketball. I had this idea that I wanted to bring some of the real real pioneers in our game all to one pod and have a chance to connect with them. So, you know, what you've been able to do with team final, I'm like really curious to have this conversation with you. I know the people out there will be, will be excited to hear about it. Um, so again, just so thankful for your time. Um, you know, first of all, you know, as a, as a team manager, as a guy who's leading the, the program for team final, what are you doing this time of year? Oh my God. Uh, right now, it's uh, just making sure that the plans that I made in May for this July period are still still solid as far as one our roster, our coaches. Talk to me about and talk to our, our listeners about why you started Team Final and how it kind of all began and how you got into it. Man, I, I, I'll tell you, I don't know if there's enough time on here to really talk about the beginning of Team Final. Um, I know for me, um, I was a high school player. We didn't get a lot of exposure where, where I lived. Our high school coach really didn't know how to put kids into college. Like he didn't know a lot of the things that it took to get kids eligible to go to college. And um, a, a family friend of mine that I've known because my older brother played AAU basketball with this guy, he had a team called the New Jersey All-Stars. His name was Frank Berg. And Frank was like an uncle to me, you know, when I was young. And uh, the program was the New Jersey All-Stars. And Jason Williams from Duke played on that team. And because of Jason and because of the other talent that he had in the state of New Jersey, he was able to procure a Nike deal. And um, Nike supported him. And back then it was way different than what it is now. There was no EYBL. You played at Boo Williams. You played at Memorial Day. If you had a really good team, you got nominated to play in Peach Jam. And um, I just fell in love with it, you know. And I was always like, you know, if I had this kind of situation, maybe my life would be a little bit different. Maybe the exposure, you know, for me would be a lot different. And I was like, you know, if, if we could provide more kids with these type of opportunities and this type of platform, it'll help kids go to college and better their lives and stuff like that. Um, Tariq Evans, Nike always wanted to do something in Philadelphia. Philadelphia is one of the best cities for basketball, if not the best city for basketball. And um, me and uh, Reggie Evans, Tariq Evans' brother, um, came together and thought about building our own club out of the city, based out of the city of Philly. He was a Chester guy. Um, I had good relationships in Philadelphia, and team final started. And that was the summer of, I think, 2006, six or maybe five, five or six. So uh, I don't really keep track of the years. It's hard for me to. Like, I, I know it by what players we had on the team and graduating classes. So if I count it out, I, I, I then know it. But um, I think it was 2006 was our first summer, our inaugural start to this. Yeah, can you talk a little bit about, I mean, obviously – Tyree, just talk a little bit about like obviously his imprint uh, on the program. It's been able to have a lasting effect. I mean, you got into it wanting to create opportunities for others, and now you know you know 
what, 16, 17 years later, you've created a lot of opportunities. Talk a little bit about that kind of impact and just starting, you know, looking backwards on what you've been able to accomplish. Um, well, Tariq, Tariq definitely was a trailblazer, you know, and at that time, our budget was a certain number. And, um, you know, we're, we're a nonprofit organization. And um, you always, you always wanted to get your number back down to zero. You know, I almost kind of liken it to uh, Brewster's millions. You know, when Richard Pryor won, he won like a million dollars, but he had to get rid of a million dollars to be able to get $10 million or something like that. Like it was a movie, but you know, you always try to get it down to zero. And I was like, man, if we stretch this rubber band a little bit, we could do a second team. And, and that's when uh, Dion waiters came to the club and we started him on a younger team, him and Tony Chanel and a couple other guys out of the city. And, you know, we just poured water on it like gremlins and one turned to two, two turned into four. And, uh, we just learned how to do this a little more efficiently used our money a little wiser. The travel expenses became easier. I learned from my mistakes. Um, and then I was like, you know what? I enjoy doing that so much. I found a lot better coaches, you know, Aaron Burke's been my right hand man, you know, since, you know, for a long time now, Jamal hunt. I mean, I could, Aaron Abbott was the guy that was with me out of uh, he was a Newman Goretti coach. Um, you know, James Johns, who's in college to Sutton right now, you know, so we just found really good coaches and really good players. And we built this, you know, one team, one barnstorming team into a program of, you know, six, seven, eight, sometimes 10 teams all the way down to, you know, fourth and fifth grade. So um, we just figured out how to operate more efficiently and able to stretch the rubber band a little bit better to build this thing into a program. Yeah. Was there anyone along the way that helped you kind of learn how to turn into a program and how to expand it? Well, um, like I said, Frank Berg from the New Jersey All-Stars, he taught me a lot. He taught me how to do this and he also taught me how not to do it. And I learned from a lot, you know, I learned from my mistakes. So I think a lot of it was, you know, obviously from, you know, from him and his influence and then just bringing people on and, and having an open mind to be able to say, okay, well, Aaron did this with this club, Aaron Burke did this with this club and you know, what, what ideas do you have and, and stuff like that? And he gave me some great ideas. Aaron Abbott, the same thing. You know, he ran a team, um, the, uh, South, the Ballhawks, the South Philadelphia Ballhawks. And, you know, just learning from the different people that I brought into the club is really what has made Team Final, you know, one of the premier programs. Yeah. I, have, I just, just have to keep a very open mind to how other people operate and you know my way is not the best way all the time you know yeah i um and one thing i love about recruiting your guys is no matter what level they are you know you can recruit them like like you you're so open to to letting your guys be recruited and um just always love the honesty and how you guys operate um so so it's good to kind of get into the foundation of it some you know, because yeah. I get the chance to see and experience where it is today, but maybe don't have as much of the foundation part. What are some mistakes? You know, maybe we've got some young listeners out there that are going to want to start an AAU team. What would you tell your younger self in terms of mistakes not to make? To learn how to like plant roots. You know what I'm saying? Like not everything's going to be the best. You know what I mean? Sometimes you're going to have a bad, a bad season and that's fine. Um, 
I think being a good coach and being a good director and being a good person in AAU is finding consistency, you know, and just being consistent and always being there. And, you know, if you if the game is at three o'clock, be there at two fifteen. You know, if if practice wraps up at five, be the last one, be the one that shuts off the lights, you know, and just be consistent, you know, and, um, you know, just execute your plan and follow through on your plan. You know, I think uh, a lot of people, they think that this is a stepping stone to college and it's not always a stepping stone to college. You know what I mean? Um, you know, uh, I think James Johns, who now is an assistant at Fairfield, I think he's he's coached AAU probably for like 12 or 14 years. Like, I remember talking to him when his kids were in middle school, when he was with uh, like this Rebels program based out of Delaware. That had to be like 12 or 13 years ago. You know, and he put in a lot of time, sacrificed a lot of time, you know, away from his family, learned how to coach, learned, you know, just sharpen his tools as a coach. And now, you know, he he finally got the opportunity to coach in college. You know, people think, oh, if I coach with a team final or a team final-like program, I'm going to coach in college. It's not that easy. You got to be really good. You got to build relationships. You got to network. You know, the stronger your network is, the more opportunities will come your way. Yeah, it's, it's so interesting you say that because, you know, on the flip side, when you're in college, you have so many guys that are kind of coming in. And I love when you talk about being consistent because, yeah. you know, a lot of times, like, you know, I might have a relationship with a guy because a, a few guys were recruiting and I really like him. And then when I go back to find him, I can't find where he is, Yeah, you know, because he's flipped teams or he's gone, gone in and out. And, and, and so it's always hard because it's not like that relationship for me doesn't change because I want to get to know the person but the yeah. consistency does matter. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. And I tell you also being accessible, you know what I'm saying? Like you said, you were like, you know, you call somebody and you can't get them. You can't get a call back. I, res I respond to every single one of my text messages. If I don't respond to it right away, it's probably cause it got lost. But so I always, if I don't respond to you right away, away, hit me back. And I, I mean, I respond to everybody. I, my phone is on me pretty consistently and and i think that's another thing that makes you know our program a little bit different you know we we, we always stay in contact yeah i'd agree and i, I think that and you know for people to understand like what that does i mean we're we're in it basketball seems like such a big a big sport but we're really in a small small fishbowl yes. yes. and so all our interactions really come back around at some point and so you know even if you make a call and say hey man this kid is looking at this or it, that just gives us great information and, and then everybody can kind of move on. Um, but you know, the nature of the job is to get to know. And, yeah, and so you yeah. it's to get to know, but also get the yes. Right. So it's like, everyone's kind of working to try to figure all that out. And I, I do feel like you all do a, a great job with that. Um, yeah. what do you do? I mean, when you, when you get a young guy, like a Dion waiters, you see a young guy in your program, um, that can really build, it doesn't have to be Dion waiters, but I'm using that as an example. Cause that's really the first young guy that you kind of brought up. Yeah. Um, what do you do when you get a young freshman in your program and you got to keep them in your program? How do you, how do you navigate that? Well, um, I think my role is a little different now that I don't coach and, you know, I'm more of a director, but again, I'm, uh, you know, I build relationships with the parents. I stay in contact with them. I make sure academically they're sound. You check in on them. You know, a lot of these kids, like, you know, they look for mentor figures you know, in their lives, male mentor figures in their lives. And, um, you know, just being consistent with them, you know what I mean? It, it, like, 
you know, but also holding them accountable. You know what I mean? Because because of these kids are so talented, everybody tells them what they want to hear, but holding them accountable, they'll say, you know, they understand. It's like, you know, this guy's really trying to help me out here. You know what I'm saying? And I think that's a major thing, especially now, like now more than anything, because you see these kids are not getting what they want and they hit the transfer portal. The portal conversations, we can maybe dive into this a little bit, but the portal conversations I think are so interesting um, because I know for me, like I, I like love my dudes, yeah. you know, and it's just that you can only play seven or eight. Yeah. You know, and I think a large, I think one of the harder things in recruiting is, and I'm sure you see this too, because you see them when they're younger and they're kind of maturing. What you're recruiting them for is who they can become. Yeah. It's not who they are. And in yeah. that fight for the soul to help them improve, become who they, who they can become. You know, sometimes things can feel like they got lost in translation. And then you kind of get to the end and it's like, oh, he's always been my guy. He's, you know, but yeah, yeah. You know, I think sometimes with the portal conversation, because every kid feels like I've got to make a decision every every April. I mean, these kids, these kids got a lot of stuff getting thrown at them right now, man. We're coming yeah. off of COVID. I mean, social media is taking this thing so weird in such a weird place. So, um you know, you have to definitely be compassionate to, to these kids because they've been through a lot right now. This this era of kids has been through a lot. Yeah, I agree. And I, I think that's one of the harder things for, you know, I think we're in the circle, right? So we're in the fight for their soul to be the best they can become. But for the fan on the outside, it's kind of hard for them to understand what the COVID year and the limitation of being socially and those different things have created. We talk about the portal, which is a whole new, jump to it. We talk about the NIL some, you know, when you put those three factors together, like you said, there's a lot of stuff being thrown. I'm like, you can become a celebrity before even ever accomplishing anything. Yeah. You know, the, the portal right now looks bad, but I think at some point, I think a college coach and a staff, just like the kids, they need to adapt a little bit to the portal and do a better job of recruiting, like getting to know the kid a little bit better knowing his family and his background a little bit better. And um, it also makes the coaches very um, accountable to who they're recruiting as well. Because if a kid transfers and if a whole class transfers, it lowers your RPI, correct? Yep. And then it, yep. it can limit how many scholarships you, you could use. And eventually you're going to, you know, coaches lose their jobs because of, you know, they either coached a, a class that they didn't really – get to know the kids and our, their families and they get and the kids gave up and you know it's it's not a bad thing but we all have to adapt to it including yeah. aau coaches directors aau players high school players high school coaches college coaches and the families of the kids everybody has to adapt to it you know we talked about you know giving giving kids opportunity and you know a lot of time for coaching kids from families that that this four years is, is obviously really, really important for them. And so why yeah. not allow them to be able to make as much as they can, yeah. um, you know, in the, in the right way, mm-hmm. you know, in, a, in a taxable way that, that any other student at the university can make money in. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. I think, um, you know, some of these kids could walk away with a decent amount of money, you know what I mean? And, and they get a lot of popularity for playing at some of these schools. I think it's such a great opportunity to like really educate you know, financial literacy from a younger age. 
Um, well, a lot of these kids, they got to figure out that, you know, certain levels of money that come in, you got to pay taxes on it. Um, I, you know, we also, you know, we're, we're educating our kids on that, like how much, you know, how much is set away for taxes. Cause you don't want these guys to have like an IRS debt pay for a couple of years and they're being jammed up, which, which is really a downfall to it all. Because a lot of these kids, they don't even know what that is. You know, when I was 14, I had a paper route. I, you know, and I had a paper, I had a mid, it, it was, uh, my God, that's how old I am. There, there's actually newspapers. They, do they even have newspapers anymore? I did a they, midweek they paper they, they route when I was 14. <laughs> it's, it's, oh man, it's, it, it, I'm going to sound very, very old, but like, it was like the milkman. Like you heard about the milkman when I was young. I was like, there was a guy walking around <laughs> with milk, but like, it's like, these kids are like, wait, a newspaper? What's a newspaper? Like, they don't even know. They don't even know. So were you bike or car for the for the newspaper route? Oh, bike for sure. BMX oh. bike, thing on the front, you know, the bag and throwing them out, you know. No, t- t- you'd be mad, you'd be mad about- when you didn't hit the porch. You'd be mad <laughs> when you didn't hit the porch. <laughs> talk me about this process, all right? So what time do you have to get up? What time? Just talk me through this whole oh, process. Oh, my God. It was, it was a midweek paper out. It was 5 o'clock in the morning. I'd fold them together, ball them up. If it was raining, you had to put them in the plastic. My God. It was like that video. I don't know, man, there was a video game called Paperboy. Do you remember one that? Best video that? Game, one of the best video games ever. <laughs> oh, God. And you, you would go down the street, and dogs would chase you, bees would chase you, <laughs> and you would just, like, shoot the papers out the side. That, that was me. That was me. I was Paperboy. A year ago, uh, 2021 EYBL Champions. Um, how'd that feel? You know what? It was, uh, it's funny because it was almost like, it's almost surreal because you think it's like, this is, this is like the celebration of it all. Right. And I never really cared about winning until we won because, you know, it doesn't matter how, I don't want to say it doesn't matter how good or how bad you are, but at the end of it, it's like, well, who do you have next year? You know, who's coming back? You know what I'm saying? So it's never like, like, but at that moment, it was like, oh, my God, you did it. You guys finally won. Team finals finally won the championship. And it kind of hit me. And, I, God, I looked at James Johns, and he had tears in his eyes. He had such big tears, and it made me choke up. I, I, I'll be honest. I didn't cry, but I had the same tears, and he hugged me, and, it was um, it was a surreal moment because you always say ah it doesn't matter if we win ah it doesn't matter if we win but at that moment it really felt good to win yeah you um, know and, and to see to see a guy like a like a Jalen Dern who's been with you forever you know be able to win and Derek Lively and how far he's come and Jamil Brown and Justice Williams and you know Jabate all those guys that believed in team for you know they missed the COVID year. Then they came back and had that year. We were down there for two weeks. It was a grind. It was peach jam is never easy, but those two weeks was the hardest thing that I could ever ask those kids to do. And uh, for them to win it, it was unbelievable. What's next for team final? The kids played their June period with their high school teams. Did that change up anything when, when the NSA added in the, the periods yes. where they go to their high schools. How did that affect you all? Um, but this is actually only the second year of them doing it because they did it the one year. They missed the other year because of COVID. 
Last year they missed because I think because of COVID. And then this year they did it. The first year they did it, it was unbelievable how many college coaches would get out to see those June period games. And that's, you know, only a few people figured it out. Like Philly Live had one. A New England had like a clinic. Mm-hmm. So there were so many good teams and good players in those specific areas. And the college coaches, it was like a feeding frenzy. This year, there wasn't as many coaches out. More more states figured out how to do the high school thing and then mix in with the fact that there's the portal and people are still looking into the portal. There wasn't as many college coaches, and it, it came down to reality a little bit. But it's definitely changed how – AAU programs operate because now we can't do much of anything in the month of June. So now the success that we built in April, you know, March, April, and May, we took a pretty long break and now we got to jump right back into the mix in AAU. So it's definitely, you know, we've definitely had to adapt and change to that. What does it feel like to have a player drafted? You've had several now, but you know, just talk a little bit about that feeling watching the guy get drafted. I mean, honestly, it's probably why at this point I still do it. Not just for the drafted players, but, like, like even just being able to have, like, a dream school. You know what I mean? Like, and being able to say, I had a dream school, and now that dream school recruited me and I go there. It's the same thing. Like, their dream is to make it to the NBA, and then it becomes realized, you know? And to see guys throughout, you know, our, our existence, to see guys make it to the NBA and shake either David Stern or Adam Silver's hands. And, you know, as a part of the green room with Dante DiVincenzo, I mean, it was to see that even in, you know, behind the curtain a little bit, it is probably the funnest time for a, an elite level player to ever have in his life because he gets to enjoy it with his family and his closest people you know what i mean like the nba does such a good job at the nba draft so like i just told jalen i said jalen you know you've won a lot of games you've won gold medals you've won high school championships you're going to win a lot of basketball games this is the only time you're going to be able to go through this enjoy every moment and you get to go through it with your mom and your family and the people closest to you so that was always my thing just enjoy this this period Awesome. Um, I got a Dante DiVincenzo story. So we're at the Mount. We're playing Villanova. Actually playing pretty well. You know, we're feeling pretty good about ourselves. We're in the game. And then Dante, I think at the time, was like sixth or seventh man. Mm-hmm. Uh, he might have been like he might have been just at the edge of the rotation because they had all these guys that could play. Had all these guys that are pros now that no one knew were pros yeah, yeah. at the time. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And uh, and they put Dante in and and he dominated at, at a lot. He ended up with like twenty seven. It was a season high in the NCAA tournament or something against us. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. And I'm like, how how do you, how do they have seven pros <laughs> and, <laughs> and it's all making it work? The magic of Jay Wright, I guess. No, he's done a terrific job at Villanova and. You know, college basketball lost something when he retired. Yeah, what did Jay Wright mean for Philly basketball and college basketball? I got college basketball. I mean, I I don't know if there's been anybody. I mean, there's such a small handful of guys that have been able to, like, create a culture the way that Coach Wright has been able to create his culture. I mean, those guys, they are bought in completely to team. 
over me, you know, we over me. Um, I think that we've really lost something, you know, and Kyle Neptune is going to be great and the culture set, you know, so it's, it's, I don't want to say it's on autopilot. It's, it's commandeered by those guys and that staff, but Jay Wright is, is, is extremely important to basketball and basketball in the Philadelphia area. Like he's the gold standard, you know, we, I look to him and I know our, you know, the rest of our coaches look to Villanova basketball and try to emulate and, and steal ideas and thoughts in the way that they play away from, you know, Villanova basketball. Establish that culture in which we all admire and you're right there with him and connecting with him. How, how are, you know, how was he able to do it? Like what were a couple of things you saw him do that were so good that really continued to make it about team? Well, one, you got to recruit the right kids. You know what I mean? They recruit the right guys from the right, you know, high schools, from the right families, from the right mindset. And uh, that's what makes their culture so strong. Yeah, it's it's amazing watching what they were able to become and, and just how hard those guys played, how hard, how smart, and how together. You yeah, know, they, uh, decade, they've been that way. Yeah, you go to one of their practices, it's like clockwork. It's, it's really unbelievable. There's not much wasted motion, wasted movements. Even their, you know, drink breaks are timed and clocked. It's, it's really, really impressive. If yeah, they anything, ever do a coach's clinic, I, I, I think everybody should go to it because you're going to learn something there. Is there anything you, you took from it directly that you applied right away? One thing? Um, probably the, the way that they practiced. You know what I mean? I think your practice, you have to, your practice planning was huge. You know, get the most out of your practice. Cause you know, AAU basketball, we don't get them Monday through Friday. So you get them, you know, right. Friday, Saturday, Sunday. You have to make the most of your time. You got to get the most out of your practices. And watching them practice, it, it was very clear that they get the most out of their practice. I love it. I appreciate it. Well, Rob, I'm thankful, man. You've, you've been great on here. You've been gracious with your time. Um, thankful for, for all things that you do to basketball and uh, excited to share share a little bit of your story with the with the world. Thank you very much, and uh, hopefully we get some more wins in the summer. I, I love it, man. I appreciate you. Thanks for your time, Rob. If you need anything from me, don't hesitate to give a yell. Yep. Thanks, Jamie, and thank you. Thank you, brother. brother. Thank you for joining us on The Last Call, powered by Speakeasy, where careers grow through relationships and relationships grow through speakeasy. We hope you enjoyed it, and we look forward to connecting with you soon.